Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to be in episode 15 of Martin DeHaan's The Days of Noah. Today's title is The Bible Obituary. Let's get started. According to our Lord Jesus, the days of Noah or the days before the flood are a picture of the conditions which will prevail upon the earth in the last days, just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. Anyone, therefore, who wants to know the signs of the times can avail himself of the record as given in Genesis chapter 4, 5, and 6. They not only give us the industrial picture in chapter 4 and the moral picture in chapter 6, but chapter 5 gives us the most enlightening dispensational picture of this age. In this chapter, we meet two remarkable men, Enoch and Noah. While more details are recorded of Noah than of Enoch, there seems to be far more information packed into the few brief verses devoted to Enoch than any other of the pre-flood individuals. Jude, in his mention of Enoch and his ministry, tells us that he was the seventh generation. He says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints, Jude 14. Why did Jude mention this seemingly irrelevant fact? Believing as we do in verbal inspiration, we conclude there must be a definite reason for this mention. What difference does it make whether he was the fifth or the sixth or the eighth? When we carefully examine the record of Adam's descendants, we find the answer. Six generations had preceded Enoch, all of whom had died. But Enoch, the seventh, became a notable exception, for he did not die but was translated. The first six generations died. The seventh was translated. The expression, and he died, occurs no less than eight times in this one chapter, Genesis 5. It is a record of the generations of Adam, and of the first verse of Genesis 5 gives us the key. It begins, this is the book of the generations of Adam, Genesis 5.1. It is a genealogical table of the descendants of Adam down to Noah, ten generations in all. In this line of the descendants of Adam, Enoch was the seventh, and stands out above all the rest for a number of reasons. One, he was the first recorded preacher in history. Two, he was the first man of whom it is said that he walked with God. Three, he was the first man who did not die but was translated into heaven. And four, he was the seventh generation. Jude makes special mention of this fact. The fifth chapter of Genesis may well be called the Bible obituary. For with wearying monotony, the phrase, and he died, occurs over and over again. Of Adam, it is said, and he died. Of his son, Seth, it is said, and he died. Of Enos, the same is recorded. Then Canaan, Mahaliel, and Jared, the father of Enoch, of each is recorded, and he died. Six generations of men who died. And then suddenly comes a great surprise. We might expect the account to continue as follows. And Enoch lived after he begat Methuselah 300 years, and he died. But no, the record of death is suddenly interrupted, and we read instead, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Genesis 5.24 Six generations of death, and then the rapture of Enoch. Surely one cannot fail to recognize here a picture of dispensational plan of God for man on this earth. And right here we must remind you once again that Jesus compared the days before the flood with the last days just before his return. As it was then, our Lord reminds us, so shall it be again. The meaning we believe is clear. 
The six generations of death are a picture of the six prophetic days of man's failure and rebellion to be followed by the rapture, judgment, and God's seventh day of millennial rest. God's pattern of creation was a seven-day week, six days of creation, and then a day of rest. After this pattern, God gave the law to Israel. However, this is also a picture of God's prophetic week in his dealing with man on earth. Six is the number of man, seven the number of perfection. All this points to God's week of 7,000 years, six ages of death and destruction, and then God's day of millennial rest and peace. David says, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Psalm 90, verse 4. This is God's day of 1,000 years. Yesterday when it is past in one day, this too, Peter asserts, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Second Peter 3.8 Notice that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. We emphasize the expression with the Lord. God's week is a week of seven days of one thousand years each. God's government on earth will be for one week of seven thousand years, and then he will create a new heaven and a new earth. The last day of this week we know as the millennium when Satan will be bound and Christ will rule and reign in righteousness upon this earth. But first, there are six days of man's futile search for peace, six days of death and defeat. We cannot escape the evidences that the first six days of man's miserable failure are almost run out. We do not know the exact chronology of the years since the first thousand-year day began, but we do know we are very near the end of the first six days and then. Now, returning again to the record in Genesis, we find that after six generations of death, Enoch is raptured into heaven before the judgment of God falls upon a wicked world. Enoch becomes the first clear type of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. For Jesus plainly stated that the events occurring before the flood were a picture of his coming again. And as we study the account of Moses concerning the days before the flood, we can apply the same description to the days in which we are living today. It was not an age when the masses were turning to God. It was not an age when the world was being converted, but on the contrary, it was an age of increasing wickedness, violence, and ungodliness. In writing about this age before the flood, Jude characterized it by one word, repeated four times, ungodly. He says that Enoch preached the coming of the Lord to bring judgment upon the ungodly. Now, the primary meaning of the word ungodly or ungodliness is without recognition of God. It does not necessarily indicate gross wickedness, but rather living without regard for the things of God. A person may be moral, ethical, refined, cultured, law-abiding, and honest, and yet be ungodly. No other word can as adequately describe the civilization of our day. It is an ungodly age, with all the progress in the field of science, with the unlocking of the secret of matter, with all the advances in education, there is today less recognition of God than in any other day since the days of Noah. He is even excluded from his own creation, and blind evolutionary forces are given the credit which belongs to God. Truly, it may be said in this day of technological miracles and scientific discoveries that God is not in all their thoughts. Few indeed, by comparison, are the wise men of this age who recognize the hand of God in creation and believe the Bible to be the word of God. Leaders in the field of religion are openly suggesting that we abandon the old-time faith in the literal record of Genesis and bring the Bible up to date in harmony with this scientific age. As in the days of Enoch, those who still believe the Bible and preach the judgment of God, 
and the soon coming of Jesus Christ are considered ignoramuses, superstitious, and gullible. In spite of Enoch's preaching of the coming judgment, there is no indication that he was taken seriously by the masses. No converts are reported in the record of Enoch's ministry. Instead, they must have smiled at this preacher of judgment, and as the years slipped by, they undoubtedly began to scoff and say, When is this judgment coming? You have been preaching this message for almost 300 years, and nothing has happened. And this, too, will be the case in the latter days. The Bible knows nothing about the conversion of the world by the church or winning the world for Christ before he returns. Instead, the Lord is taking out from the Gentiles a people for his name, Acts 15:14. It is an unmistakable commentary on the days of Noah, which the Apostle Peter gives us in 2 Peter 3 in speaking of the imminent return of Christ. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. 2 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Today there are multitudes, even religious people, who scoff at those who preach the literal, personal return of Jesus Christ. I have heard people, religious people, throw it up to me and say, You have been preaching the coming of Christ for 35 years, and others before you for hundreds of years, but he has not yet come. And so when people scoff at the return of Christ, it only confirms our faith in God's word. For 1,900 years ago, Peter already said that this in itself would be a sign of the last days. Peter has an answer for these scoffers. He says they are ignorant. While we who believe these truths may be dubbed ignoramuses, Peter says they are really the ignorant ones, for they forget one thing, the flood of Noah. Listen to Peter's rebuke of these scoffers. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. 2 Peter 3, 5 and 6. Remember the flood, says Peter. Don't be so willingly ignorant as to overlook another time long ago when God promised judgment and it seemed it would never come. Remember the flood, Peter says. Then, too, men scoffed at Enoch and Noah's preaching of coming judgment, but it came just the same. And Jesus said, as it was then, it will be again. Then Peter adds that as surely as the flood came, as witnessed today by the study of archaeology and geology, as well as God's word, so surely also the judgment of which the flood was a picture will come. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against a day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Second Peter 3, 7. Peter admonishes us in the next verse not to be ignoramuses, but to know and understand God's revealed plan. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Second Peter 3, 8. God is not in a hurry. He cannot be heckled into changing his plan, but says Peter, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 1 Peter 3.10. There is only one thing which is holding back the judgment of God from falling, and that is the rapture of the church. As long as Enoch was still on the earth, the flood did not come. Enoch, we have seen, is a type of the church of Christ, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, and must first be taken out of the way, then it will happen. The Apostle Paul says, He who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. We repeat, therefore, without apology or embarrassment, 
The Lord Jesus is coming again, and he may come at any time. We close with the plea of Peter. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Second Peter 3.14. Guys, I hope that this uh, has encouraged you. I hope you have learned something. And as we continue on with the days of Noah, that we truly see God has a plan. We see the Bible unfolding and that things in the Old Testament matter in the New Testament. The days of Noah, Enoch being a picture, having been raptured out before all the trouble, before the flood. And I truly believe that the church will be the same. Guys, I hope this has encouraged you. If it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next week, God bless.